Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where, did you, where did you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. <laughs> A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts and, of dirty stuff, yeah. but also parenting stuff. Yeah. So check out Childish new episodes every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. This is a special episode for a couple reasons. Tony Thaxton is back. Hi, He's I'm back. been on tour for an, a month? It feels like longer than a month. Yeah, longer well, than a month. I was gone, I was on tour for a month, but I was also uh, gone for Christmas and all that yes. stuff. Is your band so. good or is it mediocre? Oh, it's the worst. They're good. Okay. All right. Let's introduce our guest. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And then you can you can you can uh chime in. Oh, did I chime in early? You did, but it's okay. I okay. should have I should have warned yeah. you. My <laughs> okay. guest is Troy Johnson. He is the food critic for San Diego magazine. He appears on Guys Grocery Games. I know him from way back because we both used to be music journalists, and then he left that world behind and went into the food world. He also has written a memoir called Family Outing. And he also appears on the Big Ten Network on a show called Campus Eats. Mm. And I don't know if you guys can tell, but normally I write out a bit of an intro. I love how you're struggling through this. And this is I, awesome. I didn't write it. He also hosted a sports <laughs> show from 2001 to 2007 called Fox Rocks. I just suddenly, suddenly the fact that I no, read your Wikipedia kicked in. It was not a sports show. A music show. It was a music show. I mean, you know, you know who the first attempt, the first television performance of um, of one of the biggest bands in the world was in my on my little show, which was named Fox Rocks, yeah. which had a fox with an R O X. I did not name it. I did not name it. I went into the um, like to the marketing guys, and they're like, "It's named Fox Rocks with an R O X." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no! Please don't do that to me! Please, 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 <laughs> please! So, come on, anything but that! Like you can't rhyme unless you know you're a hip hop band or a heavy metal band, you right? Know what I mean? And misspell it too. No, and they're like, "No, we're gonna do it." Um, I got a three-song demo, and, and I'm like, God, this band sucks, you know, but they're going to be billionaires, and it was Maroon 5. Oh, wow. And they were the, f- the first ever per- um, television performance. It on, was on, on our- your sh- On your sports show. On my sports show. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> it was like this underground music show where I was able to put on Wolf Eyes, Peaches, TV on the radio, the Buzzcocks. They all came into this news studio where I was, I had this little corner with a black curtain that let me put these weird bands on. That's so cool. It was fun. It's the uh, first time the Buzzcocks and Maroon 5 have been said in the I same know, paragraph. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know what? To be quite honest with you, and, and here's like, the people out there who love Maroon 5, and I actually really enjoy Maroon 5. I mean, now now that I'm not a music snob, and I'm not, like, it's got to be indie, it's got to be punk, it's got to be, you know, like, I'm not just not precious about mm-hmm. myself. Are you food a food snob? No, I'm not a food okay. snob at all. Oh, no, 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 no. I love hot dogs. Uh, Costco, especially. <laughs> um, but the, uh, you know, but now that, you know, now now I, I see them, and I'm like, God, what an amazing band. They were actually 
actually one of the best sounding bands naturally that ever came into our studio. That man's voice is, I mean, it's heaven. It's just, you know, it's a little, sli- it's a little slice. And his moves are really, really nice, too. They're like Jagger. You can, they are like Jagger. You could actually see Fox Rocks, Maroon 5. It's on, on YouTube it on? somewhere. Now, why... Do I think that you hosted a sports show, though? I was the pre-game show host. I mean, look, yes. if you're in media, as you know and I, you and I started out as music journalists, right? I remember we were walking, seeing like Dashboard Confessional or something like that <laughs> At South by Southwest? Ago. I think it was in, in Mission Beach at Canes. Oh, was it Murder City Devils? In Murder City Devils, yeah. that's who it was. You know, you came down. I remember Alex, again two very different bands. Very right. different bands. <laughs> um, but I was, so I was a writer, right? You know, I got a poetry degree. You know, and I, that's what I'm like. I'm, I'm the least employable college graduate in 250 years, right? And she remember she asked me. She's like, "Who's your favorite poet?" And for whatever reason, maybe it was because she was cute, and I I was kind of intimidated, or you know, and she was smart, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna try to impress her. I said Robert Frost, and she went. I did? God! Oh my God! Like, you got a poetry degree? That's what you came up with? And I was like, yeah, that was really shitty. I don't know. Raina Marie Rilke? I don't know. Oh, I don't remember being that judgmental and precious to use the word you used. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really. That's who we were, I guess. Yeah. Well, anyway, you may, given your sports music show background, you, uh, there's nothing about what I'm about to say about sports. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to make fun of myself. Um, you might have heard of Tony's band, Motion City Soundtrack. Oh, I have. Oh, wow. You have a real band. Yeah, he's the drummer sure. of a real band. That's fantastic. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah, it's been a while since I've, I've been in music. I did that for, for, what, 12 years? I remember starting for like a college paper. I was writing 1,600-word album reviews that nobody ever should ever read. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, nobody needs that many fucking words about, yeah. uh, about music or albums yeah. or anything. You know? But you thought your words were so special. You were like, oh my God, I'm seeing the world through this band right now. And like everybody's going to kind of, you know, they're going to have an epiphany and their life's going to be better for reading my album review. It's not really, doesn't ever happen. I have actually, this is one of those, this is a thought to keep inside your head, but I can't do that. So I'm going to share it. (laughs) I've actually started thinking recently, very recently, I've begun to think, what if I wasn't as good a writer as I thought I was? Because of all the things that I feel insecure about i've never felt insecure about writing like that i feel like is actually what i'm probably meant to do and Mm -hmm. it's probably the thing i'm best at but i think back on some of the things i did as a writer and some of the things i wrote back in those days and i'm and i definitely uh i definitely what like kind of overwrote stuff and was uh you know self congratulatory not self-congratulate like small i don't know but i feel like my writing was probably insufferable at times oh mine is still insufferable <laughs> and you're still a writer and i'm still a writer yeah. you know i mean that's i'm the food critic for san diego magazine you know and I've, I've written some stuff that just got put a, um one of my stories just got added to a textbook for american education wow uh, for mcmillan what was it um, about it was along with like michael Pollan and like a bunch of the big food writers like the best food writing in america it was about farm to fable which is really interesting and it sounds very precious and very insider foodery but you know we've all heard farm to table right well that got co-opted by anybody who's just basically claiming like oh i get this from the guy down the street that grows his own honeys mm-hmm. and his bees and everything else you know and, and and what it turns out is a lot of these restaurants are full of shit 
You know, a lot of these restaurants were, are saying like, this is a Chino farm salad, you know, and they're saying, I'm going to, I'm getting all this produce from this local farm down here when they're really just having the Cisco truck show up, dump a, bo- they're dumping a bunch of like Cisco lettuce in a bowl and putting a couple Chino fa- flowers on top. Mm. There was actually one local farmer who was growing all these tomatoes and that's his livelihood. He learned how to grow a great tomato and that was what he did, you know, and it may sound silly, but this is a man's livelihood. And there was a restaurant that said, we're serving t- Connolly Farms tomato salad and the guy's like haven't bought a tomato from me in eight years oh my god he busted you know them. i mean just i mean completely i mean people are just frauding people i'm like you know come on i'm, like, hey, I'm paying a lot more because i think it's a connelly farms tomato which is supposedly an amazing thing mm-hmm. you know so you're frauding me right you know and then you're taking like this he's a farmer the guy is not rolling up in his Ferrari, you know? Right. Like, he's struggling to make a living. And you're like, no, no, we're totally selling his salad. We're going to charge $15 for it. So I wrote a big story about fraud in the industry. Mm. Where can I read this? Or just in the textbook? You, Farm to Fable. You can actually find it on my website, heytroyjohnson.com. You still have that as your website? I do, heytroyjohnson.com. Why did you choose that? Um, because Troy Johnson was taken. Um, there's a, a, a great soul singer, mm-hmm. um, gospel singer named Troy Johnson. I think he's got it. Or somebody has it. You know, And somebody always has your stuff. Yeah. Right? I was underscore for a long time on Twitter. You know, like, and you just... What oh, you, you uh, still are, though, aren't you? Uh, oh, yeah, I still am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said for a long time. Yes, I won't. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I changed exactly. it on Instagram. Okay. On Instagram, I'm hey, Troy Johnson. <laughs> but I mean, you're like, you're like, underscore, like, that's just, that's when you get shit kicked. Oh, wait, you, you said know? hey, Troy Johnson. Hey, Troy I thought you Johnson. said hate Troy Johnson. Oh. Which seemed very punk. Uh, well, it that, seemed like you could have had that at one point. I did have a lot of those. Like when you're going, you're, it's so funny. You'd start doing your website and you think you're being funny. And I'd like, shut the fuck up, Troy Johnson. Yeah. Had, you know, like you suck, Troy Johnson. You know, that sort of stuff. And I'm like, are you 20? Like what? <laughs> what? I, what? I'm 46 years old. You're like, when do I grow up? I'm still waiting for the day, you know. But I eventually decided on, hey, Troy Johnson, because it was still kind of cute, you know, and it, my name was taken. It's sweet. It's, it's sweet. sweet. It's you not, know? It doesn't have the... Uh, the crackle of hate Troy Johnson. No. The punkness of it, but no. I like it. Yeah. Okay. And Troy Johnson has herpes was taken too, you know? So, yeah. I refuse to believe it was actually taken. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we're all here now. I have struggled through your intro. Tony's back from his real band tour. I saw him in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We had the best time. Yeah, great time. Um, and anyway, Troy, what you don't know is that I have started this thing that I don't even stand behind. But at the beginning of the show, Tony and I catch up over the termite situation we're in the still, studio. I left for a month and we're still doing termites. The people need their update, Tony. <laughs> Do you have pets? Do you have names? No. Do the termites, you, have any, you, have any, you don't have a little termite like circus going on? No, I should though. If I ever yeah. see the actual bugs, you can mm-hmm. be sure I will. Do you have suggestions for names? Um, Woody is one of them. That's a good one. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Just, that, just that's, Woody. That's, okay. that's, I'm done. <laughs> Creativity. <laughs> I'm going to give you the background of this. Because mm-hmm. um, the listeners, it's like they care. Absolutely. It's like they care. Yeah, it's, it's like, like they care. They, they don't care, but it's like they care. <laughs> so uh, long story short, I noticed some little like piles of termite poop, mm-hmm. you know, the wood shavings on the bottom of the over here. I noticed that. And uh, brought it, had an exterminator come out who said that it would be about $1,200 to tent the whole place and we'd have to vacate for three days. And I was like, I, but the, the uh, 
compli- the complicating factor is if we do the entire house, so the studio is separate from the house, we do the entire house all at once, it's going to be cheaper than if later we need to do the entire house. And we're talking like thousands of dollars. So, thousands. and I have two little kids, so it's hard to, to leave for three days. <laughs> Plus, I just don't believe that it's that severe. So I thought, I'm going to see if I can handle this myself. So I squirted some cleanser in the wall that did nothing. And then I squirted some insecticide into the wall. Not, it doesn't even say it's for termites, just generic insecticide. Now, mind you, Daniel, who I guess doesn't mind living with the man's boot on his neck was like, don't do it. Don't do it. You could mess like somehow mess it up. And then when they have to come do their thing, that's going to, you know, you've messed it up. And by the way, no surprise, the exterminator agreed, yeah, don't do it yourself. And I said, fuck you. I am going to do it myself. I'm a self-sufficient woman. Like a Beyonce song. uh, Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a termite killer. (laughs) That's the one I was thinking of. Remember, it was number one hit. I love it. So anyway, I have solved the problem for now. Mm -hmm. Since I took care of it, no, I see no indication of termites or anything. Now, this part has been covered on past podcasts. Here is the piece of info that's brand new, Uh-oh. Tony. Brand Uh-oh. new info, brand new. I'm, I'm, I'm wait. I was like, do I have like a breaking news little? Oh my drop god, or you anything? do. But I, I did. Oh, do you see? This is this is what I'm no good though. I shouldn't even have said that because now I'm like, <laughs> where is it? I don't remember where it is. Can you just drum one out on the table? Or I could just go. You want to go with that? Breaking news. <laughs> okay, do it. Do it. Do a clean one. Breaking news. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a listener who's a professional exterminator. Mm. So I was talking to him after. His name's Demian. Talking to him after the show, he offered his take. Now, he did have to let me know he's not certified in termites or something because but he's boning up on termites he's headed there but i mean you could already trust him because that's how honest he is uh-huh. and he thinks that i might have solved the problem yeah which to me means i have like it's possible that i caught it before it turned into a thing and it's it's not a problem anymore because if it because i'm like could they be dormant in the wall and he said no that's not how it works so i think i solved the problem well i think you solved the problem because we've been talking about this for three months and the the, the great the great <laughs> irony like, i hope you solved the problem <laughs> well it's, it's like been way first of all it's been way longer than three months <laughs> and second of all you'd think me solving it would allow us to move on but no <laughs> i i'm aware that no i'm a, like i don't know why i do this because who cares but i have mentioned this on i do a patreon live stream and i've mentioned it on that like do you guys care? And they say they do. Now, granted, this is a self-selecting group of people who are going to care about everything. <laughs> but I think even on Twitter. Anyway, so that's... Oh, I, I saw just... it trending the other day. <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It, hashtag impeachment. Hashtag termites. Exactly. Impeach the termites. Hashtag RIP termites. Mm-hmm. So anyway, now that we've gotten that out of the way... Welcome back, Tony. It's <laughs> wonderful you. to have you. It's great to be back. Keith, the retailer of Star Wars Minute, who was filling in for you. He's great. Yes, he is. But we missed Tony. I missed being here. Yeah. I had a great time on the road, but I, I legitimately missed getting to be here every week. Well, now you're back, and that is wonderful. 
are we going to move on from termites or are we going to start the show with termites every time? Listeners, you guys decide. Okay. Hey, Tony, is it still really hard to be on the band, uh, on the road in a van? Are you in a van? Is it smelly? Is it? Uh, is it no, you, we're is on the bus. Motelli? So. Oh, you're on, a, you're on a bus? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would say I know your name because you, you, you guys got like a nice, nice pad on the road, right? Yeah, it's not okay. bad. And this was our first. We hadn't toured in three plus years. So it was a little like uh, reunion sort of thing. So. Yes. Yeah. Casinos? No, no casinos. Okay, okay. <laughs> you guys are like beyond casino, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, no, reunion tours, you always got to do it at a casino, oh, I think, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's got to be near a buffet, like somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> sure. The people were chanting Tony in the middle of the show. I, I still don't know why it was happening. I like that but, it was happening, though. Yeah, happened several nights. Troy. Yes. So, I have wanted to have Troy on the show for years and years and years and years and years and years. And we've been kind of, we've... Uh, we've been talking I, about this for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Before I, mean, I even had a show. Yeah, I mean, you and I being writers starting out and just like, you know, writing for alt-weeklies and uh, getting a piece in Spin Magazine, a tiny bit in Rolling right. Stone, you know, that sort of thing. You know, it was like, oh my God, how are we going to make this? And of course, we have to give it up eventually because you can't just write about music for the rest of your life unless, you know, you're like, you know, uh, Cameron Crowe or something like that. You know, he probably could have done it. You know, but we we moved the only one though i feel very lucky that i because i didn't make that i didn't say this industry is dying i'm going to do something else like it Mm -hmm. just happened very organically how did how okay so here's i remember very distinctly how mine changed because i covered music from when i got out you know i had that fox rocks underground music show right peaches that was my favorite interview her she actually had two minions dressed up in um, glad garbage bags that, (laughs) that tied me up during the interview I'm in the middle of a news studio where there's anchors with nice hair and good veneers, you know, and I'm being tied up by these like, you know, S&M people, but it was great. But anyways, I remember standing in the Casbah, which is San Diego's punk club or like Mm -hmm. alternative club or whatever it is. Um, And I remember I was 34 years old and I look around and I go, you know, just have one of those moments where you're looking around, you're like, oh, I'm no longer supposed to be here. Mm. You know, you just, I was, I'm too old. Like, I just, I no longer am of this people. And if I'm writing to you right Right. now, you do not believe my bullshit. (laughs) I'm like, I am, I need to move on. Like, that's it. And I was like, I'm done. So 34 years old sitting in there and I was partially drunk, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to move on. That was it. Was it just that, that you felt older than everyone or had you lost a bit of the connection to what you were covering? Well, I think you can only write about certain things for so long. You need to, you need to advance. You need to, to move on. I need yeah. to find some other topic. It, I, it, I, if I heard another indie band, you know, I, I probably would have, you know, I would have locked myself in a closet and mumbled, you know, like unintelligibly for years and years <laughs> and years and slobbered on myself. You know, it just got to the point where I was getting 300 CDs across my desk a month, you know, and it was back during CDs, you know, and you had mm-hmm. to listen to every band over and over and over you just like sample them really quick 30 seconds okay no no that hook sucks okay no 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 and, you just, and really it's all you're doing is trying to find new bands for these readers and stuff like that and I was like this is no life you yeah. know like, I'm starting to hate the thing I love mm-hmm. and for like five years all I listened to was like Aria Speedwagon Air Supply and Jazz <laughs> you know I was like I was done yeah yeah like, what about you I'm- um I so my whole writing career, I would always go back and forth between writing about music and then being like, this is getting formulaic. I need to write about other stuff mm-hmm. and then going back to music. And then it's getting like, I constantly went back and forth between being like a music writer, being in the features section, being a music writer, being an editor, being and doing a human interest for lack of a better word. Um, when I was hired by Time Out New York, I was hired as a music writer and then I was promoted into the features. Well, so I kept going back and forth. Um, 
I, when I was at Time Out New York, uh, they were looking for editors to go on the local news and do a segment and um, talking about the events going on in the city. It was called Best Bets. And I'm like, oh, I w- I'll, I'll, I'd be interested in doing this. And they were going to have a rotating group of editors, but they liked me so much and I liked doing it so much that they just had me. And I did that for like three years. It was every Saturday morning mm-hmm. on um NBC four in New York. So then that led to like ungodly early. Like yeah. you, like it was you, like my hit was at six fifty. Oh. hit. That's what TV talk. You and, guys. And, and they show up. Yeah. They're like, so get there at four 30. Like, <laughs> Why am I sitting here next to the, cl- the clown? And the, you know, right. Like, no, um, it, was it was pets. It was next yes, to like yes. ad- adoption. Adopt a pet. Yeah. Always. You're always right. next to it, a pet that needs to be adopted. And you right. feel like a dick. Cause you want to take that dog home. You're I like, always oh, wanted to. I yeah. still was a kitten who had no eyes. And I still <laughs> oh. think about that cat. Yeah, I know. I don't know if it was born without. I think it was born without eyes. I still think about that cat often. Um, And the whole time I never had a dog in New York, but I really wanted one. So the whole time I was like, I'm getting like a bird's eye view of the cool puppies. So maybe I'll just nab one. But I never did. But I had. And that's not important. So I did that the whole time. Yes, it is, obviously. It just came out. <laughs> I you, you repressed it for a while, but it came out, yeah. and it's good. <laughs> I'd exchange business cards with the ladies. She was going to keep an eye out for one that mm-hmm. seemed suitable for me. Why do people in New York have the biggest fucking dogs? I, I, I don't know. This is, maybe it's just my experience. When but they're I, so well trained, when, when I'm too. in New York, I'm like, you guys live in, like, shoeboxes, you know, and you have, like, this great Dane. Like, what the hell are yeah. you doing? Like, where? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe if you live in a shoebox and you have a great Dane, you're going to be on the street. It mm-hmm. could just be those are the only people that are out that have to be out all the time. That's true. That's true. They're like, this thing yeah. doesn't fit. I got to take it out of the right. wild. But apparently, um, greyhounds are good apartment dogs, which seems counterintuitive like retired greyhounds it sounds like the fastest dog in the world and you just put it in an apartment i know you know it's like it's like you know what fuck you and your fastness you know i'm gonna put you in this 16 square foot box all right and you will be my supplicant i will feed you it kind of sounds evil i know i'm writing a story in my head here (laughs) um right from racetrack to exactly to box track to so then i started uh that like led to other tv things and i started doing that and i realized i really liked that i had the performing thing you know in my your eyebrows and i remember this can still go halfway up your face they they lift like nine inches whenever she expresses herself <laughs> but it's kind of like I almost <laughs> wanna, there it is oh my god it's, it's amazing i almost want to like botox them into submission no <laughs> because i they just do it on their own. It's the best. Thank you. My eyebrows feel like both flattered and self-conscious now. <laughs> Where, if something is stressing me out, like, so when I was on the Adam Carolla show, once a week, they would do a live, they would live stream the episode. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the first week we got Oliver, who was our dog that we had before Wendy. Um, and I had never had a puppy before. And I was like overwhelmed with the not sleeping and all the, I think I, t- I treated it like having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was almost as intense <laughs> as having a, a baby. And so there was one episode that was in the midst of all that where I was like stressed out over the responsibility and feeling like maybe I, you know, maybe we bit off more than we can chew and I wasn't getting sleep. And anyway, my, I, I, my face is so twitchy and, and like my eyebrows are just bing bonging all over the place in that one episode. <laughs> so anyway, 
Yes. You, you can still imagine the screen, that, that frozen screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just like an arch. Everybody remembers <laughs> that one frozen screenshot of themselves. You know, like doing TV, you yeah. always walk into the editor's um, right. bay. Never walk into the editor's bay mm-hmm. because they have to watch video of and you. And you're right? huge. And you're huge. And you they always freeze you in that one spot where you're like, you look like genetics gone wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, you're like, I, I, like, wow, I really thought I was a presentable person. I apparently not. But that's what every, that's what a, that's what you look like in the middle of uh, talking. I don't know. I, yeah, it is. Everybody, I mean, we take like the sum of your movements, so you look like a normal human being. But if I froze, if I blinked and st- froze, like what right. you were saying in the middle of your talk, you look really weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's okay, Troy. I have ADD. Get on the mic with oh. your. Do you really have ADD? Um, I have tested through the roof for sure. Yeah. Do you, but I, I, it's interesting. You to me. say I, it like, yeah, but I'm not doing anything. Yeah. About I'm, it. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing. I, I had, I struggled. My career, you know, as, I mean, as a writer, I've struggled with ADD in terms of just paying attention to be able to focus on the page, being able to focus on a, on a task. So I tested on for it and I got scored through the roof on every like online test. I went to a um, psychiatrist and he subscribed me um, Adderall. I've got on Adderall. If you're truly ADHD, you're supposed to, that's supposed to mellow right. you out. It's supposed to balance you out. I felt like I had been doing methamphetamine mm-hmm. since like 2 a.m., you know, like last Tuesday. Right. You know, so I was like, all right, so obviously this isn't me. I got really, really speedy. So I think at the end of the day, I've, I do have an element of that and I've learned how to tame it through meditation, mm-hmm. oh. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, which it took years and years and years. Like you always hear about it, like, I don't know, I learned it from Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, you always hear about you know, like it changing people's lives and I tried it and tried it and tried it and finally it snapped. Like finally I was like, oh my God, it's really just about silence. It's about like ignoring that like urge mm-hmm. to snap the hell out of this meditation and do anything else because this is as boring as shit. Right. You so know? how long do you do it and do you do it every day? 20 minutes. I try to do it every day. I'm not good at it. So, I mean, I'm not good at like keeping a, a habit. Practice, yeah. You know, but I'll probably do it two to five days a week, you know, anywhere from three, three to five, you know, and oh my God, it trains your brain though. It really does. I mean, you don't know the thoughts that you have that are ricocheting back mm-hmm. there, those subconscious thoughts that you are thinking about because I'm taking in, I'm looking at you, I'm taking in your eyebrow, I'm taking in your nails, I'm taking in your, the, your what you're saying, I'm taking in that light. You know, there's so much visual right. stimulation that you're focusing on that you don't pause to think like, what is your subconscious thinking about that you've been dealing with all day? So when you close your eyes and you sit down for 20 minutes, all those thoughts come to the forefront, you know? And then, so I do that and then I'll actually go and write about it for about 45 minutes. And that's my therapy. That's my, my like everyday therapy and I get all my shit out and then I'm kind of free for the day. You it's know? so good. It's great when I do it. When you sit down to write it, like, is it just, do you just let anything come out or how does anything it? Anything come out. You know, I mean, no censorship whatsoever. You know, I mean, I can just, and I try to be as raw as possible without being totally maudlin on the page, right. you know, but you just write about like, like, oh, what a therapist, you know, I'm just like, you know what? I'm like, maybe this has to do with my dad when I was three. You know, I don't know. You just kind of go through it all because I've read a lot about as you get older, you start reading all these books about psychology and like, you know, like evolution, because I have a child, you start thinking about like the evolution of their development. Mm. And then you start thinking about how your development was affected, you know, blah, 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 blah. So you go through all this stuff. And that a lot of it has to be have, what I've found is that a lot of it talks about the things that you've repressed that you didn't think were a big deal at the time, you know, but you haven't ever actually sat down and been like, that kind mm-hmm. of affected me. Yeah, that's, I think, what trauma is. Right. When you, when you experience something divorced from the emotion that... 
should have gone with it. And even smaller things, like yeah. small shit. Like and the, a lot of the theories that have come across are like, you don't realize how much minor, minor, minor trauma that you deal with every single day that you don't deal with. Mm-hmm. Like I'm filling up wine glasses. I fill up yours, but I don't fill up yours. You know, and even though that sounds so stupid, it no, sounds I'd, so I'd mellow. Be pissed. It's like there's a little part of you. There's a little part of it's you like, that's what like, the hell? what the hell, dude? Why am I slighted? Why am I not worthy? Right. You know, and and like that kind of stuff. If you take the time to like be silent and listen to the stupid little thoughts and little like grievances that your for your brain has, you know, I think it makes for a clearer outlook on the day if you deal with it. You yeah, know I know. I've been watching Elliot. Because he's such a, a happy, well-adjusted kid right now. And I and I feel like he's lucky that it by – because by age three, I feel like a lot of people have experienced a lot of heavy shit already. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he really hasn't experienced very much. And I want to keep that for him. He has termites. <laughs> he doesn't know about it, though. Okay. Um, and I was thinking, though, like, you know – the things that are going to mess him up, is it just going to be the sort this sort of accumulation of all these m- times that he felt misunderstood or that he didn't feel like people were looking at for his needs or all these, because I really try not to, I try for there not to be those moments. I try for him to feel understood, but you can't, have a perfect track record as a parent, you know? And you can't lord over all the minor grievances that they may have, right? right. So what they have to do is they have to accumulate all these things, you know, form a punk band, get a drinking problem, <laughs> and turn 32 and go to therapy or meditate. Right. You know, and that's what we all do. And that's where I'm at. <laughs> Let's talk about Rothy's for a moment. Uh, I feel like at this point, Rothy's are iconic, so you're probably familiar with them. They're the perfect everyday shoes for life on the go. They're stylish and comfortable. They go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. They're made of recycled water bottles. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, well, I don't want crunchy plastic shoes. Here's the thing. They feel like really soft, really durable fabric. It is crazy. I don't know what kind of magic and alchemy they're pulling over at the Rothy's HQ, but uh, they are doing really amazing things. And they're making shoes that you can wear straight out of the box. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Two people are known for wearing Rothy's. One, Meghan Markle. What more do you need to say? Or no. And two, Kathleen, my dog walker. Uh, I saw her and I, I recognized them because I was just, I had just become hip to Rothy's. And I said, hey, are those Rothy's? And she said, yes, they're the only shoes she can wear straight out of the box and they don't give her blisters. And that is important for someone who walks dogs or for someone who just walks around like you. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks. They sell out constantly. Uh, they have various silhouettes. You're going to want to collect them all. And here's the thing, you're going you're gonna to fall in love, you're going to want to order them all, you're going to want to get on there before they sell out, then you're going to want to join a club where you just compare your shoes. I made that up. I just feel like they inspire that kind of obsession. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash Allison to get your new favorite flats, comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash Allison today. Again, that's rothys.com slash Allison today. So you grew up in San Diego. Born and raised, yeah. Um, and what were you like in high school? In high school, I was, I, I've always been a writer, like a writer, a reader, you know, so I was always kind of a book nerd, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I was a tennis player. 
right? I was, I, I, my dad played tennis, and I grew up like you know with the little tiny Sergio Tatini shorts, you know, that showed <laughs> like half of your butt, you know. Um, so I had those, and you know, I was actually the number one tennis player in San Diego. Oh, so wow. I was supposed to go pro. In fact, I was supposed to if I would have won my next match, I would have played Pete Sampras and gone to nationals with Pete Sampras, you know. But I lost. I lost in the seventh, even though I tried to cheat. Um, and How? I, think, I think that's why I lost. I caught a ball out that was in. And I still remember this. Totally uh. cheated. Totally deserved to lose. Um, but so I was, I was kind of, you know, and I surfed all the time, you know. Um, and I well, par- How in was it? And I partied. What's that? How in was the ball? It was right on the line. And I called it out. I, I, I feel bad about it to this day. I, I'm going to write about this tomorrow morning and meditate about it. <laughs> you know. So were there refs, though? No, like, there's no refs. Okay. You could call one. And the, the sectionals that I was playing in, if you felt like you were being cheated, you could call one. Mm-hmm. You know, and they would have enough staff there. But still, during right. tennis, they're like, there's not refs. So they let court. it get called out. Yeah, they let it get called out. And, and you was, think that you, karma, then made you lose. Karma probably made me lose. Okay. Yeah, and I, I totally deserved it. Yeah, okay. but I was, you know, I was a surfer. You know, I, I love to read and I was, I was very athletic, um, you know, but I was, my mom was, but I've read about this, you know, growing up with a gay parent in, in the 80s when there was no, you know, there was no icons of gays. Mm-hmm. You know, AIDS was happening. You know, every political, um, you know, political activist, every, you know, religious figure, a, a figure, every media person was like, AIDS is the, the scourge of gay people. This is, gay people brought them on themselves, you know. And, you know, not, not only is your mom sexually broken, she might, you know, have sex with the toaster or you. <laughs> you know, like, that's really like, the what fear. they were treating, yeah. all this stuff, you know. So, you know, my mom was kind of, we basically told her, like, my, I told her, you know, I'm like, look, my, you're not, not allowed to be gay in my house. You said that to your mom? Yeah. As a high schooler? As a high schooler. Wow. Really interesting. So this is what my book was all about. It's all about the, you know, growing up with a gay parent and like what you go through just being a regular kid and trying to fit in and be normal, you know, and then put on top of that having a gay parent in a time when it wasn't okay to be gay. At least it didn't seem, seem mm-hmm. that way at the general public, you know. So it was, I mean, my, my sister had already left our family probably because my mom was gay and she went to live with my dad and my stepmom and to have that normal heterosexual life. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I could run the house because I'm like, you don't want to lose me too. What a monster. An yeah, absolute, yeah. absolute monster. Absolute monster. And I was like, and I was just embarrassed. You know, I was like, oh my God, you're making us weird, man. Like, why? You know, and I didn't know at the time, I wasn't enlightened enough to know that it wasn't really a choice. Right. It's just who she is. You know, did you I, think it was a choice? Um, I did. At that point, it seemed like everybody tr- um, treated it like there was no gay gene that had been identified. Mm-hmm. And now they found a couple of markers that suggest that it may actually be genetic. And I believe most people are born with it. And if they're not, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, it's your choice. You right. know? But at the time, I was like, you're choosing this specifically. And to you're embarrass making our you. family weird. You're choosing your sexuality over my life, mm-hmm. our life. You yeah, know? I can see that's threatening to a kid. And it was so, yeah. So, I mean, I basically, my mom kind of, if she wanted to live her life as a normal human being, she had a longtime partner at the time, kind of had to be out of the house. So I had the house to myself, you know? So I was alone a lot. And we, you know, would throw parties. I would have like 300 high school kids, you know, you know, drinking and doing drugs at my mom's house, you know, like that sort of thing. So it was, it was a Bacchanalian time during high school. So you kind of used her identity against her. I did. And that was part of the book. It was that, like working through that guilt. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like, what a monster. Um, remind me, because I read the book, mm-hmm. but uh, now that I've had kids, I don't remember anything. But it's also, it was a long time ago. That's okay. Because yeah. I remember the apartment I was in when I read it, and it was the, my, the, 
the sublet in New York. So I had just got so this yeah. was like right 2002? It was actually 2007 that it came, 2008 that it came out. So Wait, I mean, it's, what? Yeah, so it's been. <laughs> I am remembering it's been twelve it wrong, then. years. It's been twelve years since it came out, and it was. I mean, Maybe I'm remembering emailing with you. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that was that. that was it. Yeah, <laughs> about then, the book. <laughs> that was Jesus Christ. I mean, at the time, I mean, it was really, it was really honor because the guy that edited Naked um, Lunch by William Burroughs put it out, um, Richard Seaver. And when you know, 2008 happened, the, the book came out, and it um, the economy collapsed. You know, they didn't have put any publication or any marketing budget behind it. His publishing company went bankrupt. He died like two years later, mm. you know, and a real legend. Like in the New York Times, when he died, did a full time, full page on him of his obit, you know. Um, and so it was a real honor to have my book put out by him. Um, but it, it, it kind of died on the vine, mm-hmm. you know, and eventually I bought the rights back. And now I, so it went into basically dormancy. You've written this entire huge book about your life and about what it was like for to be the child of America's number one target in terms of discrimination. Mm-hmm. You know, at a certain point in time, it had some cultural re- relevancy, um, but it just died. And I was like, look, I just want to put it back out on my website now that I have. You know, more people have seen me on TV, and they're like, "We well, write a book." I'm like, "Shit, you don't even know I wrote a book." I'm like, "I have to like, I want to put this back out." So I started rewriting it again. Well, my wife my now wife her mom is gay so her and she has a perspective of a female from 14 years younger than i am a different generation and she's helping me flesh this out again we have basically rewritten this entire thing and we're going to put it back out here oh, cool. in, in probably the next couple of months but that's my big project that i'm working on right now nice yeah. so re- remind me when your mom came out to you oh gotcha my mom didn't even come out to me like my mom See, this is one of the chapters in the book was, um, I was, I was before school. My mom had to leave early. My sister and I were home and, um, she would leave and then we would go catch the bus on our own. Well, the doorbell ring. Nobody ever rings the doorbell before school. You know, once my mom leaves, it's just us. And then we go catch the bus and I'm usually late, mm-hmm. you know, and the doorbell rang and I was like, Oh my God, who the hell is that? You know, like one of the neighbors pissed off at me because I did something in your yard. I know it is, you know, <laughs> and, and so I look out and it's my, it's a longtime family friend and she came in and she's like, Troy, sit down. I'm like, well, I got to go to the bus. And she's like, sit down. You're going to be excused today. Your mom's gay. And I was like, what? I'm 10 years old. Yeah. You know I mean? It's not a, it's not a topic of national conversation among right. kids at that point in time, you know? So you don't know. And I'm like, what? And she made the way she said it, it made it sound like she had cancer. Right. You know, like I, when does her hair fall out? Right. Like you can't go to school today. There's because, a thing. Yeah. Cause she's going to die. You know, Jeez. like she's gay. She's gay. I was like, oh my God, you know? And so it turns out this was her spurned. They've been together for like six years. Oh my God. So she was like trying to get back at her by she telling the kids. She spurned lover Ugh. came over and dropped this bomb on me at age 10. Because she was trying to get back at your mom? As we understand it, as we understand it, what happened was my mom, they broke it up. My mom had written a letter to her brother or something saying like, hey, you know, like things haven't worked out. We're not going to see each other, but I really want to know that you've been, you know, in my life and whatever. And her brother didn't know. Uh, so it was like, you uh, out of me, I'm out of you, you know? And I was like, oh, so it set off this whole chain oh of events. Gosh. Ended up being, I mean, long, long story short, it ended up being one of the best things in my life because it made me become human. It made me realize my own bias, you know, against, you know, one of, what would become one of the biggest issues to face our, face our culture um, in a long time, you know, and I got to go through that. I mean, but it's this whole process. Like I, I was mean to her. Like I was 18 years old and we were in the dorms at Chico state. And I thought I always played like, I'm okay with being people being gay. I'm okay with being people being gay. Well, we had a fire alarm one night at 1am 
and everybody has to file out of the dorms and sit on the lawn. And they made us wait a long time because some people have been pulling the fire alarms a lot and they were getting pissed off. And our head of our RA was a very openly gay male. And he used to wear, you know, shirts with like two guys kissing, said like, deal with it, that's whatever, you know. And I, and finally he came out and said something. I was drunk. And I, and I go, I said, fucking faggot. And I just lost it. I went, oh my God. I mean, it's one of those moments where you hear those words come out of your, your mouth mm. and you're like, who am I? Like, yeah. what kind of monster? Am- oh my God. Like, I thought I was okay with all this. And obviously, I have some pent up rage about what this did to my family. What I, uh, I think, I project that right. it did to my family, you know? And I just, and that was a huge turning point in my life. I mean, I, they made me almost get kicked out of school for that. Hate almost could have been a hate crime, right? You know, um, I had to go through sensitivity training, in which I was like, I don't need sensitivity training. I still, I was like, the next day, I'm like, I'm still, I mean, I don't need sensitivity training. My mom's gay. You don't know, mm-hmm. you know. So they made me watch. I forget what which, which movie it was, but they made me watch a movie in which you know a teenage boy who's gay got beat up, mm-hmm. you know, and halfway through it, I just started bawling. I just started crying and just started like, oh my god. I am the biggest monster ever. And it was one of the biggest like personal transformations in my life. So mm-hmm. that's why I started writing the book about, you know, the I was going to call it the undoing of an American bigot, you <laughs> know, because it was, you know, it really was a massive transformational process. And I think it's a lot of a process of what a lot of Americans go through. There's still a ton, a ton of discrimination against, yeah. you know, LGBTQ. You know, I mean, it's the day that Donald Trump was elected, they erased LGBTQ off the, the White House website. I watched I that happen as a, the son of a gay mom. You know, I was like, you, you just deleted it? You know, like, oh, my God, I thought we were through this. Yeah. You know, so now I'm going back to that and really fleshing it out because I made my name as a humor writer, right? You know, and that's kind of how, what made me stick, uh, stick out. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my humor sucks, but some of it was, was good. You know, that's what made me stick out. But I mean, I went for the joke way too much in the first book mm-hmm. and kind of obscured like what we could, I think the thought process I could have, or kind of the, the light that it could have shed this uh-huh. topic if I'd have really written about it. You know, because right. I was afraid to really write about it. I didn't want people to be like, oh, my God, it's maudlin. And mm-hmm. now I'm really fleshing that out and just giving it heart, not making it like melodramatic or whatever. Right. You know? But just like really thinking about these topics. So like how it was, you know, so that's, you know, that's that's the whole process I'm going through now. When did your parents divorce? When I was three. You Speaking know? of trauma that happens at age three. three. You know, interesting thing was, is I, I was actually had panic attacks when I was 24 years old. And, you know, I went to my doctor. I'm like, what the hell is going on? He's like, well, do you have any trauma in your life? I'm like, not really. I'm like, my mom is gay. You know, I, got, I really had a hard time with that for a while. You know, I'm like, but I don't think that's a trauma. You know, and it was at the end of the day. I mean, there was a big trauma there. But I'm like, my parents got divorced, but I was three years old. I don't even remember it. And he said to me, he's like, that's the most formative year of your life. You may not remember it, but you do remember it. Mm. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got some stuff to deal with. You know, like, I, but you, you just think you're like, I don't know. Never, my dad was always present. You know, you never really think about that that could be a trauma. You don't remember it? Oh, yeah, I remember it. No. So what were the panic attacks when you were 24? Like, what was the circumstances? Have you ever had a panic attack? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you? Not extreme. It's, it's, you think you're dying. Mm -hmm. I was sitting in a movie theater. I was 23 years old. I was about ready to graduate. 23 years old, about ready to graduate. Um, You know, (laughs) 
Just let that sink in for a second. That should be a panic attack in and of itself. How many years did you do? Six years at Chico State. I was pre-dental. My dad was a dentist. I was going to become a dentist. And he's like, dude, you know what? I hate dentistry. Don't become a dentist. I'll keep you in school as long as you want, as long as you just don't become a dentist. So I'm I'm going to do poetry. I'm going to do poetry and speech (laughs) communications. Yeah. You know, so I was sitting in a movie theater and all of a sudden, like, just tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. Absolute tunnel vision. Like, as as if, I mean... You lose all sense of balance. You get vertigo. Like everything starts, you start sweating. Yeah. You start, it feels like your body's closing in on itself. The organs are squeezing. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, heart attack I'm or dying. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm having a heart attack. I'm dying. I don't know what it is. And you're so paralyzed and you're like, oh, you almost can't breathe. I was like, what the hell is going on? And it, eventually it subsided, you know, but I was like, what was that? I felt like it was four hours long it was probably a minute and a half i don't know Mm. you know but i mean so eventually and i kind of ignored it and i you know whatever you know and i was probably drinking too much as a a college kid and you know i was smoking you know i wasn't exercising you know a lot of those things probably played into it you know but eventually i did like you know kind of went to my doctor and i I figured figured that out you know like like i'm having panic attacks Mm. went on a series of meds you know for a while like you know paxil all those like serotonin uptakers i don't take any of them now i've been able to do it through like exercise exercise and meditation and health but i mean for a while it was just drugged up and it was right. great it was actually <laughs> it was fantastic it really kind of saved my life for a little yeah. bit you know so okay so you graduate after six years and were, were you already writing at that point yeah i was a writer i mean from day one i was a writer it was a one thing i can't i couldn't do science I couldn't do, you know, I really couldn't do math that well, you know, but I would always get accused of plagiarism throughout my career. Like, I mean, every step of the way, like, you are not writing this. I'm like, yeah, I am. And my mom would have to come in and go like, no, he just reads all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does. He writes, you know, so I was, I wrote for the school paper at Chico. And then when I came out, I wrote for an alternative weekly. Which you one know, was that? That was um, Slam Magazine. It was a music magazine in right San now. Diego. And we used to go to South by Southwest every single Wait, year. Wait, was that Will? That was Will Schilling? Yes. Was there? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He so, was Slam, right? He was Slam. He worked for Slam. Which <laughs> turned into City Beat, which just got sold to New Times. You know, and so I was writing about music and then I was, I, I formed that TV show, you know, right. um, and then, you know, and then, uh, then 2008 hit, I had the pregame show for the Padres. I was just like, you know, they wanted me to be the John Daly of baseball or John Stewart of, of baseball. Mm. You know, it was a pregame show of does, a pregame show. How much foreplay do you need for baseball? Yeah. I was going to say, does, ba- does baseball need a John Stewart? No. No, and they th- it was in San Diego too. They were like, "Oh my God, all these celebrities are going to come in, and you're going <laughs> to interview them." And I'm like, "We're in San Diego." <laughs> I'm like, "This is not Los Angeles. Mick Jagger's not coming <laughs> to the San Diego Padres middle of the season game, you know." But we did 80 episodes. I mean, 80 games. I had to be there every single day. I did that and the rock show, and I was a part time music editor of City Beat. And then the economy collapsed, mm. you know, and everything fell to shit. I lost two jobs overnight. You know, all the advertisers pulled out of TV shows. I lost both those TV shows and I had to take a job. So I took a job at Riviera Magazine, which is a fancy pants magazine yes. with like, you know, skinny girls who need food on the cover. You it's know, Ken- Kendall, Kelvin, mm. Corin. There was a, maybe there was a Riviera up here in there Orange was. County Orange too. County. Kelvin. What the fuck is this? There's some name like oh. Kelvin, Corin, Kierkegaard. I don't know. There's some guy up here that I know from Riviera. Kedrick. Yes. Yes, Kedrick. Great, great guy. And there's a great lot yes. of, there was a lot of Kedrick great, Francis. Yep, Kedrick Francis. Yeah. yeah, great guy. And there's a lot of great people that were in that publication. I mean, the, the thing, I didn't like like a lot of the, it was genuinely women who needed food on the cover. And I, I didn't <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know, but 
you know, they gave me a job and I was working with a great editor, Jillian and Kedrick, and, and the, the food editor was, they told me, uh, was a James Beard Award winning food mm. editor. And they're like, you're not going to be able to write about food, but we need you to, to edit food. There's a guy who writes for the New York Times. He's also writing our food reviews in San Diego, and you're going to edit him and make us up better. And they're like, and you need to study food now. How did, did they reach out to you? Because it's, no, cause I, it's pretty uncommon that you lose a media job and like, at least, well, I, what I was going to say is like now, I think if you lose a media job, I don't know what you do because there's just not that many outlets anymore. But back really then, I isn't. guess there were more. It was 2007. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I just begged for a job. I wrote yeah. a hand hand wrote written letter to you know like card after the interview uh, to this editor Jillian, who's still a great friend of mine, you know. And she was like, "I'll give you a shot." And they were like, "You're gonna have to write about food." And honestly, my first reaction was, "Fuck food." I don't want to write about food. I want to write about jazz and hip hop and punk. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to write about art, man. Like food. <laughs> food is like for what people in soft sweaters around, you know, sit around and talk about microgreens and their Aspen timeshares. Like I, <laughs> I have zero interest. These yeah. people sound like erudite, you know, twats, to be quite honest with you. And I'm like, and I, cause I didn't read, I hadn't read any good food writing. Mm-hmm. And so they told, I'm like, so what came out of my mouth when I needed a job was, Absolutely. I would love to write about food. That's what I've been one of my dreams, actually. You know, and so I took the job, you know, and they said, you know, like, just study it. And I had literally, I didn't know shit. I didn't know shit about food. I knew carne asada burritos. I knew, you know, like, I, I could make like a steak sauce. That was it. You know, and so I studied it. I had thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of flashcards in mm. my apartment. You know, and reading cookbooks and glossaries and encyclopedias and going out and talking to chefs and cooking and everything else. After three years, the food writer fell away. They let me in there. What I wrote won an award, and I kept on going and won, won some more awards for food writing. And then there was a little uh, audition for um, Food Network that came across like a website, and I was like, "Ah, oh, no, I'm done with TV. I'm not doing this. I'm not really not doing this." You know, and. Uh, finally, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fill out this questionnaire. <laughs> Wait, how long between I'm not doing this to, all right, I'm going to do this? 20 minutes. 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. I have a lot you of resolve. put up a good fight, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of resolve. You know, but I mean, it was literally, so I was like, all right, look, I'm going to fill this out, questionnaire out. I'm 20 minutes, no backspacing. And I'm, I'm just going to do it and send it off. It happens, it happens. You know, and like one of them was like, how do you cook? What do you like to cook? And I'm like, I cook like a college kid has sex with way too much energy and not enough skill. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just said, and I didn't use sex. I used a different word. Right. You know, but I mean, I, I had all, all this stuff and like sent it all in. And, and like, did you send in a, like a reel also? I, I didn't yet. And okay. they, I, this was to a casting company and they, they emailed me back and they were like, look, will you just fill out a, do a tape? Because, <clears throat> excuse me, they're like, will you do a tape? Because we, you made us laugh. You know, and we, we, we think that you should do a tape. And I put it off for two and a half and weeks. And what was it? What position was it for? Were well, nobody knew for, at the time. Oh, it just said like we're food, looking like, for new food network. Is, I see. And they weren't supposed to put Food Network in there. They actually did, but they oh. weren't supposed to. And they were like, don't tell Food Network we did that. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Um, so I, I made this tape and I was standing in front of a graffiti wall. And I was like, you know, I was born in the walk-in refrigerator of a three-star Michelin restaurant in the south of France. I was breastfed by Wolfgang Puck. You know, <laughs> I mean, stuff like that. I started riffing and they were like... And I just sent it off, and two weeks later, Food Network called, and they're like, we want to give you your own show. And oh, my like, God. I'm like, what? Oh, 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 excuse me? <laughs> you know, and at this point, I'm, I'm still a little bit of a fraud. I mean, not a fraud. I've, I have spent th- three years studying food. The flashcards. You know, but I'm no Bobby Flay. I didn't go to CIA at Hyde Park. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm like, I feel like an absolute fraud. You know, but I'm a writer. That's what I am. So they want me to kind of be their Anthony Bourdain. They want me to be their, you know, travel log guy who goes around the country and does these like long form, like kind of humorous travel writing. So I did that. And that was my own show, Crave, in 2011. You know, and it got canceled, as, show, as shows do. It was, it was on the cooking 
channel, right? It was on. It was actually prime time on Food Network. Oh wow! Yeah, I know. I think I must not have had Food Network. I don't trust Glory anything I say, days. by the way, anymore. Um, now that I messed up when your book came out, but <laughs> Crave, and you had that for a season. Two I was seasons? one season. One season. Was it fun? It was fun. We had. I mean, it was, it was brutal to be quite honest with you, because I was still working at a job as Riviera Magazine senior editor. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a startup company that was helping a friend of mine launch, which ironically was a hard seltzer, um, which we didn't get off of the ground. Mark Cuban invested too, um, but we didn't. It didn't actually work out. We, what were, was it called? we were a little bit ahead of our time. Called Bonafair. Mm. I knew because I had studied. I studied wine at that time. I'm like Italians drink spritzers all the time. It's a less hard. It's just an easier lighter summer drink i'm like there's nothing wrong with this let's yeah. do this this will work and, and it didn't work but now it didn't yeah it will. <laughs> so i was doing doing that and you know doing my own tv show and writing it and producing it. i mean just doing so much it was brutal my daughter was being born it was crazy mm-hmm. you don't realize like how much you have to go on the road how much work you do on the road like it's non-stop all day all night and then you get home to the hotel and you have to study for the next day's shoot right you know i mean it is non-stop so it was fun you know, but we got canceled after we had pretty good ratings at the gate. And then How I Met Your Mother, Dancing with the Stars and Monday Night Football came back in my time slot and everybody's numbers were tanked. Mm. And they were like, I, I, they kind of like kind of wanted to get rid of me. I was kind of a problem child, to be quite honest with oh, you. Oh, like how? I got a cover story in San Diego, the San Diego Union Tribune about the TV show. And I said things, I said something along the lines of, I wanted to get out of TV because the TV is like that girl that's sitting next to you at the bar who is looking at you and telling you all sweet things about yourself. And she's got her hand on somebody else's knee, you know? And I said, it's just un, you know, unpredictable. If my abs start to fail, if my teeth start to yellow, like I'm going to be gone, you know? And I, and if Food Network called me up, the marketing people call me up and they're like, what the hell are you doing? Mm. You know, like, what are you saying? Like, this show almost got canceled. Oh, my God. You're like, and you're right. They were totally right. You know, like, well, I shouldn't have said. What should you have been saying? I should have just been a little more I'm, positive. I'm grateful I'm for, so the grateful for the experience. I love reaching people who want to hear about food and Absolute, sharing my passion. Absolutely. And I could have just figured something else out to talk about. You know what I mean? And not had to, not cast doubt on my show. Yeah. You know, so they called me to the mat. You know, and then I think at some point I said, I just got, I, I was taking it from this woman. She was very New York and she was very like, you know, you messed up, you know? And I was like, you're right, you're right. But at some point I went, you know what? Who got that article? I'm all, what did you guys do for marketing? Mm. You know, and I kind of went back at her, you know? And I'm like, how much promotion have you put into the show? I'm the one that got that story and got promotion for our show. And I went back at her and I, <laughs> you just tell, you know, when you do those things in your career that you're like... This isn't going to work out. Well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not making friends here. Right. So it did pretty well, but you know, I, I don't think I made any friends. And I think that at the end of the day, they were like, "Okay, you're gone." You know, and then they put me off on like Friday nights at 11:30. Well, that's where I found my audience. You know, I was saying shit like, you know, the only thing that would make this food better is if Nickelback broke up every time you ate it. <laughs> you know, like, so we just say, and poor Nickelback. I love Nickelback. You know, like, I, whatever. I, and you were saying that now on which show? On, on Food Network, on Crave, on Crave. Stones. You know, and people were quoting it and, and quoting it on Twitter. I guess and my friend called me. He's like, "Have you been watching your ratings?" I'm like, "Dude, I got canned. I'm not watching my ratings." He's like, "You're the number two thing on Food Network right now on Fridays." I'm like. Really? I'm like, you're like, yeah. He's like, he's like, if you watch Twitter when you when you do your show, he's like, people quote you all. I'm like, no shit. Anyways, they called me back and they were like, hey, we're we're we, when you we're done with somebody, we're usually done, but we've got this new show with Guy Fieri. We need a judge. Do you want to try out? 
and now it's been a hundred episodes later, six years later. I mean, it, it, so that that's my career. In food that's network. so cool. Yeah. So, guys, grocery games. Mm-hmm. How often are you on? How does it work? Fill me in. So, because just to to go back, I uh, a professional thing I like to do is ask a question and then cut you off to <laughs> to go back. I've been trying to get you on the show forever because I've known you forever. I like you a lot. You're super interesting. I'm like you should come on the show, but. You live in San Diego, and you film up north, right? We film in Santa Rosa. Yes. Yeah. So it's been... Yeah, I remember... It's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's guys grocery games, you know? So the guy that the, the word starts with is a star of the show, and then the rest of us are just our judges, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it's this really interesting thing, you know? And it's this grocery store up in Santa Rosa that they built a set. You know, it's not a real grocery store. We did do the first year in a real grocery store here in Los Angeles. Um, I think it was in Westwood. Um, and they got got picked up because Guy's a star. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they it's just continually going. And basically, as I understand it, and this could be wrong, but I'm going to say it anyways. Guy has two um, kids, you know, one that's like 20-something and one that was about 10 years younger. And because he did so many episodes of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, he, you know, was on the road all the time. And they asked him to do this new show. And as I understand it, he said, look, I'm going to see my kid, my second kid grow up, you know, like if you want to like do this in my own hometown, you know, I'll do it, you know, and they said, okay. And they built him a grocery store, you know, which is awesome. So now he gets to see his kid grow up and everything else. So we all fly up there and live at these hotels for like six weeks at a time. There's like 90 of us. Oh, so take, you do them like in chunks. You do them in chunks, mm-hmm. you know, for like six weeks. And there's like 90 of us and we just, you know, live. How fun. Uh, it's fantastic. How, you know? um, how many episodes do you do in a day? Like, is it exhausting? So we'll do one and a quarter during the day. Oh. It, it's a long, it's a long episode. Though. I mean, so we're shooting for like eight, eight hours or eight to 10, I think. Eight, something like eight, eight hours. And we'll do, it takes about six hours to film an episode. You know, I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a hundred people on the crew. Yeah. You know, there's, I believe there's something like 80 hours of footage for every episode. And as a judge, mm-hmm. a TV personality judge, um, how, like, what have you learned about what is what makes for a good TV judge and how has that changed in all the years that you've changed for you and all the years that you've been there? Well, you know, it's, it's funny for me, what's helped so much is just being a writer. You know, I, I know that I'm going to get there's certain things, you know, you're going to get about food. It's going to be too salty. There's not going to be enough acid or there's going to be too much acid. You know, there's going to texture. It's going to be wrong. You know, there's not enough fat. There's not, there's a few basic things. I mean, it's almost a math formula for how you make a good dish, mm-hmm. you know? So instead of just saying it's too salty, you know, or if it's saying, you know, it's a very rich dish, you know, I'll say it's like eating Morgan Freeman's voice, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, and that helped me. I mean, that's, that's where my poetry degree came in. So I would sit down and like write out all these lines. Oh, you know, for like to plug in for if plug it's too in, salty or if it's, if it happens, right? 90% of the stuff you see me say on TV, I'm improving on the Mm -hmm. the spot. But there's that one time where I'm like, this works perfect. I I mean, instead of saying it's too salty, I have this line for it's too salty. And in general, is the food that you're eating good? Uh, Yeah. I mean, you expect it to be really shit, you know, because they're doing... You know, 25 minutes, they basically got to get a shot to this grocery store. They got to cook this meal for four people. It's tough. You got Guy Fieri right there, you know, like standing over you and, you know, 50 cameras. You know, you would expect people to really like just leave some fingers in the dishes. Right. You know, but they they don't. It's really good. You know, we'll get some that are tepid and whatnot. I've had one that was just crap. There was, we we did that one and we wouldn't let them have anything from the, um, from the produce aisle, but they had, his guy was trying to make a salsa. So for his, his, 
acid element instead of a lime, he used key lime pie filling. Key lime pie Ew. filling with <laughs> corn and tomatoes, and it was it was just like, uh, uh, you know. Um, so I mean, it's you know, and really at the end of the day, when I look at all the contestants, you have to realize that these are real people. You know, these are this is like the biggest you know um, experience that a lot of them have had in a long time. Maybe it's one of the big shots to help like their local restaurant grow or mm-hmm. you know whatever. I mean, just make their life. You know, so you look at them, you're like. If this is going to be an interesting TV show, I'm going to have to say something negative about your food, you know? So when I do, I'm going to hammer you and know that. And I have to. Because if I don't... Do you actually say that? There's no drama. Yeah. You actually tell them that? I'll tell them that. I'm like, I'm going to say something negative. I have to. Otherwise, there's no drama. I mean, sometimes if there's no... If it's a perfect dish, you'd be like... I can't say anything negative. This is fantastic, mm-hmm. you know. But if you don't say, any, you can't. You can always find something that's wrong with the dish, right? You know. And if you, if you, you know, if you don't say anything negative, like nobody cares. You know, you have to set up a little bit of drama. You know. So you do guys grocery games, and you're the food critic at San Diego Magazine, mm-hmm. which is monthly. It's a, it's a monthly mag, yeah. And then I keep a blog. It's called the Feed on San Diego Magazine's website. So how frequently are you writing pieces for San Diego Magazine? I do two a week. And then I'll do a podcast for them as well, you know, and then um, like one major review a month where, mm-hmm. you know, like I go in under, I don't, my reserve under a different name. Oh. You know, I sneak in. Because are you, twice. you're probably well known in town, right? Or your name is? Yeah, yeah because I've been on Food Network now for six years. Yeah. You know, we've done over a hundred episodes of Guys Grocery Games. So people know who I am down there, you know, so I, I they have my picture at the hostess stand. <laughs> they do. A lot, of, a lot of restaurants will have my picture. Like, if you see this guy. All right. Dude. Table 24. Yeah. <laughs> alert the chef. Right. You know, like, so it's, it's weird, you know, I mean, I'm just a dude, you know, I mean, but, you know, it's still media still can help and mm-hmm. it can hurt. You right. Know? And I, I'm known for being honest. You know, I honestly hate being a food critic, to be quite honest with you. I like being a writer. I like being uh, telling stories about food. I'd rather tell the stories about, you know, um, cultures and histories and science and, you know, um, the ecology of food, that sort of thing. But in order to be an employed writer, you have to be a food critic Mm -hmm. because that's where the biggest money is. That's the biggest space is. That's the most employment is, you know. So I would rather just sit down with a chef and be like, tell me about your childhood in Mexico. Right. You know, but I, I can't. So I have to go in there and be totally honest about what works and what doesn't. Did you so. feel the same way about music? Because that's how I, I liked to write profiles. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like writing as much writing reviews. I didn't like saying if something was good or bad. I, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, there was a time when I got off of my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a, you know, a cocky you know like thought my opinion mattered you know i had way too high of an estimation of my <laughs> opinion you know and i there was time when i enjoyed it you know and, and i you know i remember i think i called oar like odorous anal runoff <laughs> you know like what a dick yeah like, i mean I, I remember them like the publicist like emailing me and being like hey the band really liked that review you know like hmm, thanks and i was like good and I'm like, what a jerk. Like, what? I, I was just, I don't know. I was just like angry. Yeah. You I, know? I heard that I hurt Joan Jett's feelings and I feel really bad about that because I really like her, but like I had to make some dumb joke. I, yeah. I, and that's, that's it. You're like, you, there's value in criticism as long as it's done with a heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it is, cultural criticism can be brilliant and can be like really um, enlightening. If you take something like that, uh, take, take the poetry of music or take, you know, the style of music and, and, 
play that out into like what's going on in America and what's going on in the world, what's going on in philosophy, what's going on, whatever, then you're, then you're just telling a story. That's great. Use that as a nugget and tell a good story about America or about life, you know? But if, when it's just like, this sucks and this is a joke. Mm-hmm. Yes. That hurts. And yeah. I, you know, and I'm glad I got past that. And I don't do that in my food reviews. But I mean, it just, yeah, I, I, I don't appreciate, I don't like that. I hate Yelp for that reason. Mm. You know, like I see small mom and pop businesses, you know, putting their life on the line and feeding their kids. And somebody goes in there on a Friday night without a reservation and they're like, screw this place. Right. That chick wouldn't let me in at the front door. You're like, dude, this is small mom and pop business. Like, how is this? Like, okay, to go in there and rip on them, you know? Question about cultural criticism. Because I also enjoy reading what you're talking about, where you take, you know, a piece of art and tie it into everything. And um, I'm being less articulate than you were about it. That being said, I always wonder how much is that? Let's see if I can, if I can express this correctly or in the way I'm trying to, like how much is that album a reflection of this moment in time? And how much is it the writer making a case for it's a reflection of this moment in time? I'm not sure if it matters. It probably doesn't. You know, as long as you can make that connection and make it sound reasonable. And give, you know? and give the reader a new lens to hear it through, I yeah. guess. And that's what I love about movie uh, criticism. Like, I read The New Yorker for movie criticism. I'm like, oh, God, the way that they take these and, and extrapolate it out into what's mm-hmm. going on in families and love. And, you know, and it's, it's poetry. It's awesome. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, you just blew my mind and opened doors. Aldous Huxley, you know, I mean, it just really feels like I got a new perspective on life. Right. You know, and that's what good criticism should be. It shouldn't mm-hmm. just be about this sucks. This is good. This is sucks. And I'm right. Like, you know, come on. Right. <laughs> Nobody needs that, man. You know, and you're just not that cool. You know, can we talk about your personal life? Yeah, for sure. You just got married. I did. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I know. She's a New Yorker. Um, I'm, I'm a San Diego kid. I, I brought her out and from, she still works for NBC as a consultant. Um, 30 Rock. Like she's still, oh, cool. Yeah. She, um, is she, it like what kind of consultant? Uh, oh, you mean 30 Rock the Building? 30 Rock the Building. Yeah. So she does, um, she has like ad sales um, mm-hmm. for NBC. And uh, she basically helps, like, if the Olympics are going to be filmed on NBC and then they go onto the internet, like she helps kind of um, uh, monetize mm-hmm. that. Got it. Stuff, I think. I'm not really even sure what she does. <laughs> um, She'll never hear this. Yeah. So, but the, um, yeah. So that's, I got married. She's 14 years younger than I am. I have a child. You know, on paper, we shouldn't have worked, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's certain things that you just can't deny. You know, I mean, we met, I was in Chicago filming a TV show, Camp Seats, and my buddy who was a photographer was like, dude, Johnson, go talk to these girls. They're right there in the hotel lobby. I'm like, no. Like, why, 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 why would I do that? I'm right. like, I was single at the time, you know, I'd gone through a divorce a couple of years ago, you know, and I was like, no, they're having a perfectly good conversation and there's no reason they need me to interrupt them, right? <laughs> like these, they're happy. And he's like, no, no, come on. He's an older guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because he's older, it's interesting because he's older. I wanted to like, no, help, not help him out. Like it was important to him. You know what I mean? Did like, he want to talk it, to them too? Or he just wanted you to? He just wanted me to. And he likes yeah. talking to people. Right. You know, he's not a creepy older guy. He's married and he's just, he's just likes talking to people and he's like come on johnson and i'm like oh god i'm like so all right so i suck at talking to women like i i really if if i meet the way i've always dated somebody is i have to meet them naturally through a friend hey this is susan you know and i'm like hi susan and we keep on coughing okay now we can talk right you know i I never in my life really have gone up to a girl i'm like hey what's up i'm troy how are you can i buy you a drink 
You know, like, I just I like I, that you're delivering this to Tony right now. I, I know, <laughs> I really am. Look Tony, how does it feel for you? Uh, it's it's uh, it it's uncomfortable, <laughs> and, and and I'm but I'm also I I'm the exact same way. I've kind of also never done that. Yeah, yeah. Right? It yeah. just it's it's awkward. Nobody mm-hmm. really needs, needs it or wants it. So, <laughs> so wait, what's the it that we're talking about? Like going, going up to somebody, up to a random cold? person, I'm yeah. like, hi, let's talk. Right, especially when they're talking to another woman. Right, yeah, they're talking to their friend. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, shit. So here's what I sat down at the at the hotel bar, bar and they've got the charcuterie plate, and I'm like. Ah, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. And I go, all right. So I just reach over, not even looking at him. I start pulling her charcuterie plate towards me. <laughs> you just need to stole her I just food. I try to steal her food. And she goes, excuse me. I go, oh, I'm so sorry. And I pushed it back at her. And I didn't even talk to her. Didn't even look at her again. I, oh, I just continued. That's so I continued weird. talking. I so weird. I suck. <laughs> I, like I said, I suck. So I, so I'm just going talking to my buddy. And like five minutes later, I tried to do it again. And she goes, all right, dude, look. If you can name everything on this plate, you can talk to us. And I go, <laughs> it's the one thing I can do. It's the one thing. I'm like, you know, that's a Stilton. That's a, that's a speck. That's a prosciutto. That's a three-year cheddar. She's like, what the, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, that's my job. You know, and she's like, oh, my God. So we, we ended up talking forever. And she lived in New York. And we had to go by Coastal for back and forth once a month. You know, to like see each other for a week, and then you know, we just knew it was it was perfect. We, we were facetiming. I had a daughter though. I didn't know how that was going to work out. She's fantastic with my daughter. You know, what I mean, just everything worked out. Question: When you were just pulling her charcuterie plate, not not a euphemism. <laughs> what did she think you were doing? I, I, she thought I had some issues. I don't know. <laughs> like she thought like like did she realize? Because it sounds like. I was stroking out. I don't when know. When she said, if you can name everything on this plate, you can talk to us. It sounds like she was aware that you were like trying, angling to talk to her, right? I think she's just funny. She's a very funny woman. And she's, she's, she, I think she was just like, all right, let's give you a test then, kid. You know, like, what, what can you do? Right. You know, and I was like, oh, it's a one test. I can, you could have asked me who the president is. I, I, I may not, <laughs> I, I might have said somebody else, you know, and I just nailed it. And, you know, and that was that. Was that That's so you know? funny. Did you, um, think that you would get married again because was no. was your divorce rough it was rough yeah yeah it was really rough i mean well, divorce is nice you know i mean I, i've heard of great uncouplings <laughs> right you know um you know uh but i, I mine wasn't my my wasn't easy you know and i'm not blaming anybody it wasn't her it wasn't me it was just you know acrimonious mm-hmm. you know and so i was like no way i'm never getting married again in my life i'm like i'm done i'm gonna be single i am just gonna answer gonna to surf. me i'm gonna <laughs> surf i'm gonna read i'm gonna get old i'm mm-hmm. like I'm, that's it I'm done, you know, and then I think you told I think when you told I think we were communicating like a little bit when yeah. when it had just happened and you're like, I'm just happy living in an apartment by the beach. Totally. And that was it. I'm like, you know what? It's just uncomplicated. You know, I'm like, I'm whoo, done. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like, I, that's, I only have to answer to me. I'm a messy person. I allow myself to be a messy person. You know, it just everything works when, you know, you're the only one was judging yourself. Not messy. You take it. Um, oh, dude, she's just she's just cool. She's just, I mean, she's a B type with a brain, and that's you know, and that's what I appreciate. You Wait, know? no, I am talking about your ex. Oh, my ex. Was she not messy? Uh, no, no, no. She was very, very put together. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what I learned is, he, I mean, it, it, they say opposites attract. I, I, I think that similarities um, stick. 
Mm. You know, opposites do attract. They make for some, you know, great sex. You know, but I mean, the, I think that honestly, you have to have somebody that just kind of jo- gets understands your personality, right? You know, or is very lenient, you know, with it. You know, it can, A's and B's. I don't think mix very yeah. well. Is that what happened with? Um, and you can tell me this is too personal at any point. Is no, that what no, happened with with your past marriage? Yeah, I think it's just you know I. Well, I was a writer too, and I had lost a job, you know, and I wasn't making much money, you know, and I thought that, you know, and she was like, why don't you just get a real job, you know, and I'm like, which meant what, you know, like going sales or Mm -hmm. something like that. And I was like, I just had a national TV show on primetime. I I just won every major award for writing in the city, you know, like this year, I'm like, there's 20 statues here, like I just don't think that I, it's a good decision for me to right. give this career up right now. You know, like, and she's like, we have a child. I'm like, well, then let's downsize. Like, they, they, we, people have lived off of like chicken feed. Like, mm-hmm. let's do it for a bit because I don't think I'm done. Right. You know, and I think she struggled with that. You know, I think she, 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 kind of the respect for me went down a little bit, mm. you know, and as I eventually got back on my feet and I knew I would. I've always been that person that gets, you know, knocked to the dirt. And, you know, and I, I kind of wipe myself off and, you know, get going again. And it motivates me, mm-hmm. you know, but it just took a while, you know. And when you're not making money, I totally understand where she was coming from. You know, she's like, I have a child. You're not really support. We have a child. You're not supporting, you know. And I'm like, I know. I'm and like, she, she works too, though, right? Or worked. Too. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. a lawyer. She worked her butt off, yeah. you know. I mean, so, you know, it was just, you know, so it was just tough. You know, anytime somebody loses money, mm-hmm. you're like, you know, is not pulling their weight i think it's a big strain on the relationship unless you're really talking about it and really you have to believe in their talent to do what they do yeah you know and she used to say you know my ex used to say like you know it's nice somebody can chase their dreams and i'm like oh that's so that's kind of cutting you know and i was like ah i'm like i know it's a dream but i'm like i just had a tv show (laughs) yeah i'm like i was just on food network i'm like i don't think this is over i'm like and it plus i just thought it was a bad decision like i mean i really think if if you know i'd spent this much time developing this skill you know of writing and talking about food and talking about anything and telling a story you know that to give that up right then seems financially irresponsible Mm -hmm. because i'm gonna suck at sales right you know and it's going to take me a long time. I'm like, you know, do you like these shoes? No, I don't either. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're totally overpriced. You should go down the street. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, then you, but then you went and did it again. You got married again. Yeah. Well, you know, it genuinely is. I, here's what I said. Here's what I said to myself. I said, look, if there's any red flags, I mean, any. I will not get married. And I told her that. I told this Cla- was like an agreement you had made with yourself? I'd made it with myself. And I told Claire, Claire's my wife, you know, um, I said, you know, I, I, if there's any red flags, if you have any red flags, if I have any red flags, you know, calling it off. We are not getting married. That's it. Like, we, I cannot do that to you. You cannot do it to me. You know, like, let's not lock ourselves into something that we, that we are not totally sure on. And every step of the way. Every single step of the way, even when we lived together for a year, her interaction, my daughter was beautiful. Everything everything along the way we're gonna have hard times you know this mm-hmm. but there was so much good and it was so easy that i was like i have zero reflex i can't i i this makes so much sense yes let's get married absolutely how's she adjusting to san diego you know the first time, coming from new york i mean you know there's a happy hour every single day you know and there's art and there's commerce and there's you know just it's just a cold it's a you know, it's, a, it's the anthill, right? You know, there's so much culture. You know this. Yeah. You know, and I brought her to San Diego. And like first, it was like the first week she was there. And I remember we went out to dinner on a Tuesday night and I had to do a review. And the streets of San Diego were so dead, you could hear whistling. You know, <laughs> it was one of those like. 
And I'm like, oh, fuck, what have I done to this woman? I remember getting really nervous in the car. I'm driving her. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I promise you this city gets way more exciting than this. I, I, there is something that happens in San Diego. I promise, you know, and I was getting really nervous. And she's like, dude, chill out. Like I'm, it, I'm totally okay. I came in here fully wide eye open. Mm-hmm. I know that San Diego is not New York. This is okay. You know, and I'm like, yeah, but, but uh, there's people and there's, and there's art and stuff and the music, you know, and it, you're just like, you're, you're nervous. You know, you just uh, supplanted somebody's life, you right. know, you want them to be happy. You know, you're just so freaked out, you know, and so I, you know, and we got home and I was like, okay, I was freaking out a little bit. Okay. You still love me? I love you too. Okay. That's great. um okay let's do a segment that i have not done in a really long time Mm -hmm. called how dare you now this is where i ask you extremely personal questions and then you can uh you can say how dare you if you don't want to answer okay the reason i don't do this segment often is because i don't have the balls to actually ask the really like intense ones (laughs) so this will be it'll be pleasant It's not that it's really not that bad, especially not with me doing it. Uh, and then um, a question I like to ask before we start on a scale mm-hmm. of zero to ten or one. Do I do one to ten, Tony? I think I do one to ten. I don't know. It's been so it's, long. What, zero or one being you're extremely private and ten being you're an open book. Where do you put yourself? I'm about nine and a half, I'd say, oh, because great. I wrote a book about my sexuality and my mom's sexuality, so I better be an open book. Okay, great. Let's <laughs> yeah. hear the thing. Okay. Happy be on the show. Ask me anything you want to know. And I'll be sure to... What? How dare you? All right. Have you had a threesome? No. Foursome. For real? Way back in the day. Well, we would, we would like to hear about this. No, no way. How dare you? Okay. Um, uh, how'd you lose your virginity? Hmm. I this really all... wanted you to say it. The foursome. The foursome. I know, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, a really average Tuesday after school, somebody ran up and said, do you want to have sex with this girl? And I, and I said, yes. She said, okay, she does too. And there we go. I, that Someone was it. brokered it? I, it was a <laughs> brokered deal. I mean, it was so crazy how like, like, like high school works, sophomore year, you know? And it was like, hey, she wants to. Do you want to? Okay, well, when we get to our friend's house, you guys are going to. You know, and sure enough, that happened. I mean, like, you know, and three minutes later, you know, it was a whole... It was, <laughs> was she it. a virgin too? Uh, I don't think so. I think she was the one Doesn't that brought, sound like I think it. she was the one that socially engineered the deal. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then like was it like a light turned on for you or something? Or maybe that light was already on? Yeah, oh, it was definitely a light 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 that turned on, you know. And, and it super fueled and I get, I get to this in my book actually about like, you know, overcompensating um from my my heter- with my heterosexuality because of my gay mom worrying that I might be gay. Right. Like I started oh, having sex with as many girls as I possibly could, you know, and like every time it was almost like I am straight. Yes, it was. It was pretty mental. It was, yeah. Do you feel like you've worked through all of that? Oh, never. I don't think anybody's worked through everything. Are you kidding me? Yeah, really not. I think I have a lot. I mean, I'm very at peace with myself now, and I love my mother, and I'm a huge gay rights advocate. You know, so I mean, I've worked through all that. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I, I think we can always. You can go back to age 14 and still find some shit you got to work through. Yeah, you know, some people can say that they don't. You know, you're like, eh, that's bullshit. You probably do, but that's fine. You keep on thinking that. Uh, all right. What's the most you've ever spent on a single item car excluded? Uh, I spent 781. Well, okay. 
we're talking psychically or just monetarily? Because I spent $781 on Kanye West, West opera at the Hollywood Bowl this year. Do you remember this? No. <laughs> Kanye West put on an opera. I don't, I don't know. This, this was my honeymoon either. gift to my wife. Oh, my God. She loves Kanye West. Okay. And I was like, I don't know. I want, we're experienced people, not things people. Mm. Or maybe I am, and I just say that because I'm cheap. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, you know, I was like, look, I'm like, this is the perfect gift. If he does his Jesus gospel album with a opera singer and that gospel choir, and he's does, I'm like, this is going to, at Hollywood Bowl? Yeah. This is going to be amazing. So I scrolled past all of the like reasonable tickets, mm. and I went straight to the $700 or like $350 tickets, and I bought $781 tickets. I had six row to Kanye West. He sat off to the side of the stage and read Old Testament very angrily, word for word, never came out onto the stage, and it was like this half-ass opera. You can read all about it on my website, heytroyjohnson.com. It is, I wrote this whole thing about like how he's the biggest sham. It was basically Marcel Duchamp. <laughs> it was. He put the urinal in the right. in the Hollywood Bowl. I had better seats than Brad Pitt. Beautiful man, by the way. It doesn't surprise me. Um, I had better seats. I, Machine Gun Kelly was right right next to me. Oh, you he's know? all over Twitter right now. I, I know, right? I didn't even know who he was. Somebody had to tell me who he was. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, that was that was probably my that's probably my biggest big, like biggest stupid purchase. Biggest stupid purchase. That's it. Um, let's see here. Um, have you? Uh, ever committed a crime? Oh, multiple times. Yeah. Mm, care to share a story? No way. Okay. How dare you? All Absolutely. Right. <laughs> I mean, look, I vandalized my school when I was a kid. You know, I got expelled for. I was just did, a were bad you in kid. Like juvenile hall or something? I didn't do juvenile hall, but I did do like a like three months for like a, you know kids who have emotional issues. You yeah. Know? What was it like a home? No, nah, kind of a home, like rehab, a charter or? hospital rehab, emotional rehab. You know, it was what, like what had uh, prompted that? I was, I was, I was sixteen years old, and I, my dad had just um, told me that I was grounded, and um, and I had a date with this girl who was really voluptuous, and I was like, no way, I, I have to. Like everybody's been trying to get a date with this girl, and I got a date with her. There's just no way, you know. And and he was like, no, you're you're grounded. And I made the really dumb mistake of like my stepmom was downstairs, and I like, took him to steak knife, and I I put it to my gut. I'm all, I'll do it. You know, and she's like, to your, oh, to your to, my, yeah. to myself, Mom, I'll do it. You if know? you can't go out with if this I curvy can't lady, go out with this curvy lady, <laughs> and I, I no part. Sorry, of, I don't mean to make fun. And of this. no part of myself did I want to hurt myself. Yeah, I was just like, I'm like, I, I maybe this is the way they'll let me. Just let me do this. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm really emotionally damaged here. And then they, <laughs> they put me in a month in a hospital, and I was like, oh no. Did you get to go out with her though? No. So it w- you went straight no. from knife to your belly to in the hospital. No, that was it. Knife to the belly in the Did hospital. Did it help you? Um, I mean, it's, that's where I first learned about meditation. Not really. I mean, when I first got there, that was where I first like tried to take acid. Some kids snuck it in in their toothpaste, liquid acid. You know, I mean, it was I. It was really interesting. I wrote about it in my book about this whole like you know, it, there were some kids that really needed serious help there, and I didn't belong there, and I felt bad. I mean, I didn't. I had some issues for sure. You know, I mean, dealing with like, my mom. Were they? Were your? Was your dad and your stepmom? Were they calling your bluff by putting you in, or did they really think you needed it? Um, they thought I needed, and I was sad. I mean, I was like angry, angsty, yeah. but not. I genuinely didn't want to hurt myself. Right. You know, I wasn't there. I just made a bad mistake of using that as an attention getter. You know, and by the time I got there, the, the um, and I was such a shit that the psychologist on staff was like, "Troy, you don't belong here right now. I can see you. You're just kind of messing with your parents. Will you just talk to your parents and we'll get you out of here?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Not talking to them." <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm like, how much? I, are, I actually respect that. I'm all, how much are they paying? How much are they paying? To, like five hundred dollars a day? Okay, let them pay that. I'm like, I'm staying. <laughs> What a dick. You're just like, oh my God, I was just angry. I was yeah. like, I, I'm, screw you for putting me in here. Anyways. Do you still have anger? No. Like, I, you know, I, 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 no. I mean, I'm sure I do, you know, but I never get angry anymore. Right. Like, I, as a kid, I used to rage, you know, but I kind of got that out and I kind of, I, I'm really mellow. You know, I just, I, even when somebody pisses me off, like, I'll get like email y, like, oh, this terse email. You know, but that's about it, and I deal with it. It's fine, mm. you know. Uh, and lastly, can you name a celeb who is secretly horrible and a celeb who is secretly awesome? Oh, I like the concentration. Nickelback is secretly awesome, especially their song about the photograph, or if today was your last day. There it is. I said it out loud. It's you all. don't believe that, though, do you? <laughs> I secretly do. <laughs> Wait, do you really? I I lost all, I, I don't know if I lost all taste in music or if I saw the light, but that like, today was your last day, tomorrow's every day. Love it. It's fantastic. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that's, I, I, that doesn't even really answer your question. That's fine. Um, it's amusing. <laughs> but um, secretly. We're looking for like a dick and a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean, oh, secretly a horrible person. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I never really thought about this. So you're putting me on the spot. I don't know. That's a perfectly diplomatic answer. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Her eyebrows say, say that. <laughs> I have to tell you a story mm-hmm. about uh, about me and you way back in the day. Mm-hmm. So what I remember is we were hanging out South by Southwest one year and your friends did not like me. <laughs> which is not is not an ex- thing I experience that often of people just like straight up not liking me. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying to me, something I really like about you is that I can just tell you that my friends don't like you and it doesn't even bother you. And I was like, you can't you, tell me that. You have no idea who I am. <laughs> like I'm going to bring this up 16 years from now on a podcast. <laughs> That's the thing. We always think that people, you look at some people, you analyze them, and you're, you're like, like, she's so cool. It doesn't, doesn't, give, her. doesn't give a shit. 16 <laughs> years later, I have a handwritten note in my, in my locker that says, Troy said my friend, his friends don't like me. <laughs> South by Southwest back then was a fantastic and it's still an amazing thing it's i a haven't very been thing. in years but i used to go every year and i'm not gonna be the old person who says it's not the, not as cool anymore oh, i just remember like how in the beginning you could walk from every venue to every yeah. venue you could go see liz fair at a, a coffee shop walk across the street see the white stripes and you could bounce 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 see so many dang bands it is not like that now what's it's it not, like now right? it's just so crowded it is yeah. i do not i will festivals in general i'm not a big fan of it is it is it's kind of a nightmare really? in my opinion yeah that's just me if you love it, love it. That's fine. And, and that's, yeah, that's how I feel too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's amazing for other people. And the tech it's done amazing with, you know, they had a bomb yeah. there when you're comedy, fantastic. Do and they it's, have podcasts? They must, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got uh, it. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's even when you have, even like as an artist, having artist passes, like it's almost impossible right. to get into half the shows. Comic Con, I only went to that one year, but that was like very yeah. congested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember going to see Iron and Wine and then walking over to see Jose Gonzalez. I mean, it was just like, you could see everything. You yeah. Know? And like, he literally bounced before with passes, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then it got to the point where it was so popular that you had to like pick a club, get there early, right. and mm-hmm. stay there. Yes. You had to go to Stubbs and just stay. Yeah. I think the last time I went, 
you if you even if you had a badge, there was you were probably not going to get into wherever you went. I know. Yeah, and which hey is awesome for the people that put on South by Southwest, right? You know what I mean, they built a beautiful thing and they deserve their success. It just like as a part of the people that were there in the beginning, you're like, okay, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. I go, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Okay, mm-hmm. Troy, it was so much fun having you on the show, dude. Oh my god, I feel like I got a psychotherapy session. This is amazing. Perfect. That's yeah. what I look for. Um, we did get some questions on Patreon, and I am going to have you answer those on video after okay. this. So. Okay. I am on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, live stream, merch in the mail, all sorts of stuff. Go to patreon.com slash Allison Rosen and you can, uh, if you want to subscribe and you can see all the different levels and whatnot. Um, listen to my other podcast that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons, Childish. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Rosen, allisonrosen.com. I have a book out, t shirts, all that stuff. Tony, what am I forgetting? About you? Yeah. Hmm. I'll get to you guys well, in a minute. But Sketch about- Fest is past <laughs> We already now. did Sketch Fest, I know. yeah, so I, I don't like, need to plug I, that. I feel like that was the thing I was hearing yeah. you. Did you say childish? I did, yeah. Mm. My, my band's it. music, because we reunited for Sketch Fest. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, it's now like streaming, so you can go find that anywhere, the Angoras. Um, yeah. Troy, tell them where to find you. Plug what you'd like to plug. HeyTroyJohnson.com. That's where I'm going to be putting out the stuff about my book. And I've got most of my like, collections, like the writing that, that I like there. Um, San Diego Magazine, uh, the feed. You can find all about like San Diego food. And then uh, hey, Troy Johnson Instagram and fucking underscore uh, Troy Johnson at Twitter. <laughs> that Twitter's where I do all my humor, right? I do all mm-hmm. these jokes on there. And whatever does well, I put it on Instagram. It was cool to see your Halloween tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some of my, some people, some of my friends in Orange County were reposting it. So I was like, oh, wow, that really got around. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, it like CNN pick, picked up some of my stuff. Like, you know, Playboy's picked up my stuff. Like, it's it's funny. It, it's interesting. You know, it, I got I got really, actually really pissed <laughs> but a year ago. My CVS, tw- um, re- it's so stupid. And I feel even stupid talking about it now. But you're a humorist. You're a writer. You struggle as a writer to make mm-hmm. money, period. You know, and, you know, I'd done this tweet about CVS receipts, you know, and it's like, this gal's killing it. And she was a girl in the gymnastics doing that long ribbon thing, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> somebody took my name off of it and put it onto Imgur. And it got, it now became like one of the number one CVS receipt tweets in, in the world, I right. guess. And I was like, dude, you guys, why'd you take my name off? Like, I'm a writer. Like, it could be a benefit from like saying, hey, Troy made a funny. Right. You know, and I went out, I'm like, I even contacted Imgur. I'm like, dude, What's you guys. Imgur? It's like a place where you rip stuff off and then put it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, they, I just and then said people, it out loud, right? Yeah, yeah. IMG, you are whatever. Yeah, you know. But you know, and people are like, Troy, give it up. And I'm like, but man, this is just like fuck Jerry. Yeah, you know, like people are taking people's like this is this is what I do. I'm mm. a I'm a writer. I'm a humorist. I really try to make exciting things with words. Right. You know, and when I do, and you steal them, I'm like, man, it's just bullshit fuck jerry you know i mean that's the kind of thing and i was like i was so angry about it you know i don't know why i was going with that but anyways because i asked you a while ago if you're angry or not and you said you weren't but it turns out you are (laughs) i am absolutely yeah so there i was there's my anger right there imger tweet stealers and watch you on guys grocery games oh yeah watch me on guys grocery games and then on the big 10 network camp seats we'll be back too tony uh, I am at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram. I do a lot of CVS receipt humor over there. Um, and uh, my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday, exploring. Imagine this. 
bizarre albums. Perfect. Oh, and if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a nice uh, comment. Five stars. That's my favorite number. Troy, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. I am so glad to see you. Good and your eyebrows you. are still amazing. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 